Take your Bibles this morning. Join me in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We are here amid the coronavirus insanity. The day of two services has arrived. And it sure got here in a hurry. I um, was thinking about how none of this was planned coming into the year. In December, I made the new attendance sheets, and I did not include a space for two services. And I was reminded, hey, you better up, update the attendance sheet if you want to capture both services. And I thought, oh, yeah. Just letting you know, none of this was really planned back there in December. That's how quick it's all come to pass. And when I made that decision, I thought, well, March is a long time away. We got time to get things <laughs> in order. And it's already here. And March was not a long time away. It was right here. And here it is. This is it. We've talked about logistics. We've mentioned that there's probably going to be some areas we have to tweak along the way, although I thought this morning went pretty well. We advertised 5,000 mailers. We distributed almost 2,000 more by hand. We advertised on Facebook twice by reaching thousands more that way. So we've done what we know to do to prepare for this transition, but I certainly had no clue that the coronavirus outbreak and the panic was on the way. What were the odds of it landing on this Sunday when everybody's starting to lose their minds? It would seem the timing was terrible, but I think if we would look at it from a right perspective, a different perspective, we could see that God's timing is perfect. He knows the end from the beginning. And here we are this morning able to have two smaller gatherings, and that may come in handy depending on if the governor were to leverage some sort of requirement on gatherings. Maybe a number would be within around less, then we're just in trouble. And so I don't know what we'll do at that point. We'll figure something out. I may live stream. You know how hard it is to preach to nobody? <laughs> I can preach to one or two, but nobody's tough. We can recognize God's hand in it all, I think. And I hope you've been keeping up with my postings on Facebook because I've shown how we are well within our rights to still assemble. And in fact, we are required in no way to back down at this point to see services. But I have maintained that should the recommendation to see services happen, we will salute smartly and do as we can to honor both God and government. Sometimes that's hard, but we will do our best to do that. Our continuing to assemble is not an act of defiance. Some people have it in their heads that somehow we are disobeying an order. We're not. If we're disobeying an order, then so is the governor because she has yet to shut down the bars and the restaurants. So we're not acting in defiance. I'm not on a mission to prove anything. I'm not trying to prove how spiritual we are. I've already seen through this. We're not that spiritual. And so trust me, that's not the mission here. I don't want to pull the plug too early because if they do pull the plug on us, then instead of having a month off, maybe we only have two weeks off or whatever. So I'm just trying to do the best I can. I joked around at my last post on Facebook that, trust me, I would love to have the time off. And so if they say no services, I'm inclined to say, okay. And then I'll just sit there and enjoy time with the family. So anyway, we'll figure out something, though, if that happens. Now, the best news that has come from this is that Rapid City Cleanup has been canceled. I'm so excited. I hate Rapid City Cleanup. And unfortunately, it's really only been postponed. So maybe we'll still have to be drawn out there to pick up trash. All the world's trash, amen. <laughs> well, it is what it is, but I'm happy about that. But listen, we still have a mandate by God to assemble when we're able. 
Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And by the way, the context there in Hebrews 10.25 is not that we see the day of church approaching, but it's that we see the day of God's judgment coming and that should motivate us to want to assemble. And if there's ever a time that we need to assemble more and not less, it's now. Amen. People need answers that we have. If we have the answer, which we do, Christ is the answer, amen? And we as God's people have the answer. We have God's Word to help us through these times. We have the Holy Spirit to comfort us along the way. And as the world continues to lose its mind, let us use this as an opportunity to reach the lost for Christ. So we have a biblical mandate to assemble. How do we respond if a government mandate contradicts a biblical mandate? Well, first of all, we have to examine the situation. What is it the government is telling us? If the government were to say, uh, no more gatherings for Christians, well, then we would have to fight that. Yeah. Right? And, and frankly, if they were to say, no, gov- no more gatherings for mosques, that would be wrong, even though I would be happy with that. <laughs> because you cannot target people like that. If the issue is like we're seeing around the country, if the issue is all of you, no matter race, religion, creed, whatever, then obviously that's different. And so we just have to kind of take it in stride, see what the mandate actually is, examine it closely, and so we'll just see what happens. If, the, if they were to target Christians, we would fight that. If it's everybody, I'm okay with that, and we'll submit depending on the scenario. In this case, the scenario is a health concern. I can't see how we would be breaking conscience with God if we were to suspend services over the health concerns that the government is issuing for us for a time period. Now, why would we do so? Because the Bible teaches in Romans 13 that we are to be subject unto the higher powers, speaking of governments. We are told not to despise government in 2 Peter 2.10, and we are told not to despise dominion dominion, dominion in Jude verse 8. Sunday school was brutal, so hang in there. Uh, Therefore, we must find a balance in all of this. We are taught to obey the Bible, We are taught to obey God, but we are also taught to obey government. But we also know that there were times in the Bible when they had to disobey government. I believe that time would be when they say we are no longer to gather and to preach in Christ's name. That would be a time there that we would have to, according to what we read in the book of Acts, say I'd rather submit to God than man. And so there are times for that, but I don't think that's what's happening here. Here's what I would ask you, please. Would you pray for me? It's not just a trite saying. I I need your prayers. I'm not wanting to rock the boat at all in our community. I'm not trying to bring reproach upon this body of believers in any way. But I'm trying to please God. And look, we've never been through this before. But I'm always aware that I will give an account to God for how this church was led. And I'm just trying to do the best I can through this. I've been doing all of my due diligence to stay on top of the latest in the news. In fact, it's really distracted me from study time and prayer to sit here and keep researching all this. I've even called our congressman's office. I've gotten their approval. Yet there are those who are still convinced we're not authorized to assemble. And I want to tell you this morning that that's very disappointing to hear. 
There are those, even in our congregation, who believe that somehow I'm disobeying the orders of the president, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. If you haven't already, please read my latest Facebook post. It will help you to understand how I've made this decision and what South Dakota is actually saying. It also helps to explain terms that are being used out there that nobody really knows what they mean. Because I never heard of community spread until this past week, month, whatever. What does all that mean? If you go there, you'll, you'll read about that. I, I warned the first service that I'm at my soapbox stage. If you come back tonight and you're easily offended, don't come. Because I'm going to let loose. But let me give you some things. So far, over 300 people have died from the coronavirus in America. Over 37,000 people die in vehicle accidents every year in America. 2.35 million are disabled every year or injured due to auto accidents. Where's the outcry? Where's the outcry? Even some of you who may be living in fear drove a car in here and you are at greater risk to die from a car accident than you are from the coronavirus. We're not being told to stay away from our cars. We're not being told to stay off the roads. Do you realize in America alone, on average, 88,000 people will die from alcohol-related deaths in this year? Where's the outcry to stop drinking? There's a beer named Corona. You say, well, that's their choice to drink. Okay, fine. But how many people will die as a result of somebody else who's been drinking? From April 2009 to April 2010, the H1N1 flu, also known as the swine flu, infected an estimated 60.8 million people in America alone. 12,469 deaths in America, 575,000 deaths worldwide, and I don't remember any of this then. Now I reckon time will tell if the measures in which we are being told to take will make a difference, and I genuinely hope that they do. But from what we're seeing, we're not impacting anything. Because you could have had it well before you ever knew you had it. But we'll see. It's still my opinion, if you want it, that we are overreacting in this world. Some might say, but preacher, it's all about preserving life. Is that true? Because last I checked, over 600,000 babies will be aborted in the womb this year in America. 56 million around the world will be aborted this year. 46 million since 1970 in America. And our government has the audacity to say, we're just trying to protect life. And then they'll say, if you're too old and you're not worth treating, we'll let you die. This isn't about protecting life. That's a bunch of hypocrisy. What ought to scare you is the government is growing by leaps and bounds. And you can kiss liberties goodbye when that happens. May God help us. Italy has seen over 4,000 deaths so far. They are reporting that 99% of those had pre-existing health conditions. It's being reported that most are only experiencing mild infections around the world. I tell you what's sad is because of the optics out there, because of what the community may think, We've canceled door-to-door distribution Saturday that was planned. We canceled the buses for the time being because I can just see it now, Liberty Baptist Tabernacle bus driving up, picking up kids in the community thinking, they're spreading the disease. And so people are out there freaking out and saying, 
if they see a bus come by with our name on it, they're violating the ordinance, the command, when the command doesn't exist. I'm simply trying to provoke thought to get us to consider whether or not we're overreacting here. We're acting in unprecedented ways over something which isn't unprecedented. The God of this world, listen to me, the God of this world is getting a victory through all of this. God's people are living in fear, though some don't like to admit that. You come back tonight, and I'll lay it down for you. But let's go to the message today. Last week, I moved our Sunday morning message to Sunday night. I'm doing that again this week. What are the odds that we would land on the text that we will tonight? on this weekend. You'll see what I mean if you come back. So we're going to continue what I started last week. I'm going to give you part two to the message from last week. We'll be in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The bottom line from last week is we can either panic or we can pray. I mentioned how the best word to describe a virus in the Bible is pestilence. In some contexts, you'll find that the word plague fits. It depends on how it's used. And with that understanding, our text last week was from 1 Kings chapter 8, where King Solomon prayed at the dedication of the temple. We didn't read his entire prayer, but I isolated the portion of his prayer where it talks about pestilence. In verses 37 through 40 of 1 Kings chapter 8, it says, If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting mildew, locusts, or if the caterpillar, if their enemy besieged them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sicknesses there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man, or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands toward this house, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men, that they may fear thee, all the days they live in the land which thou givest unto our fathers. God's people need to stay calm and keep praying. Stay calm. It's our responsibility to go before God in prayer to seek for Him to be merciful to our nation. We're not to live in fear this morning, but we're to trust God knowing that He is in complete control no matter what comes our way. The president last Sunday made it a national day of prayer. I believe all of it was pretty well written except for the second sentence in the declaration. The beginning of the declaration reads this. In our times of greatest need, Americans have always turned to prayer to help guide us through trials and periods of uncertainty. As we continue to face the unique challenges posed by the coronavirus pandemic, millions of Americans are unable to gather in their churches, temples, synagogues, mosques, and other houses of worship. Like I said, the rest of it goes on to read well. It mentions Bible verses. But the fact that it mentions temples, synagogues, mosques, and other houses of worship suggests that praying to other gods will help. It won't. How about calling America to pray to the one true God of heaven and earth? America needs the Lord, not a bunch of gods. The problem today is so many have taken all the religions of the world and they brought them together to mean one thing, that we're all striving for the greater good. We're all going to arrive to the same point when all is said and done. That's not true. Solomon's prayer was that the nation would call out to God Almighty in their prayer 
that they would ask him in the time of national crisis, that they, he never mentioned going to a multiplicity of gods to ask for help. Right, now I want us to see God's response to Solomon's prayer this week in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The Bible gives us two accounts of the dedication of the temple. One's in 1 Kings, one's in 2 Chronicles. But God's response to Solomon's prayer is more detailed here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Let's read verses 12 through 22. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be opened, and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots of my hand which I have given them, and this house which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house which is high shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. And they laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. As I mentioned last week, we no longer pray in the direction of an earthly house. We pray to God's heavenly temple. Amen. But do you see the emphasis on the house of the Lord even here? It's amazing to me that in times of crisis, we ought to be running to the house of God, but we run away. There's a principle in all of this that we need to learn. Take note in verse 13 that it is in fact God who is in control. He says, if I send pestilence among my people. How are you going to change what God's doing? If I send pestilence among my people, He's the one that sends it, and He does so for a desired response from His people. That response is in verse 14. We've all heard that preached and quoted many times. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now I'm thankful to live in America. And it's my opinion that our nation's response to this has been handled, mishandled very severely. But I'm still thankful for our government. But notice that God wants His people to call upon Him. You understand this morning that the answer for our nation is not from some governmental agency? I thank God for them. I thank God for their mind. I thank God for the wisdom that He gives in those areas. But that's not the answer. The answer is for God's people to rise up and pray out and cry out to Him. But that's not all. There's a condition upon our prayers. God says His people need to humble themselves. This means we need to bend our knees. That's what it means. We need to 
This is what it literally means. To bring yourself low. We need to bring ourselves low before God. God brings all kinds of circumstances into our lives to get a desired response. And in this case, He's brought a circumstance into our lives with the intent of bringing us low. And if we don't, the circumstances will intensify. 2 Chronicles 12, verses 6 and 7, this is speaking of the days of Rehoboam. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves. And they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. And my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. And then verse 12 of that chapter says, And when he humbled himself, when he brought himself low, the wrath of the Lord turned from him, that he would not destroy him altogether. Listen to this now. And also in Judah, things went well. It always goes well for a nation when they bring themselves low before God. When we bring ourselves low, it includes admitting our sinfulness. It includes admitting that we deserve the punishment. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I wonder this morning, have you taken time to bend the knee before the Lord about this outbreak? Everybody's living in fear. How many people have bent the knee and cried out to God? We see next that once we bring ourselves low before God, then we are to pray to God. This means we are to seek God's favor in asking Him to intervene by removing the judgment that He brings. And to absolutely make it clear what we're to do, it says to seek His face. When we go to God in prayer and we seek His face, we are eliminating self. It all becomes about God. And that's, that's what we need to do is seek God's face. But notice, it isn't enough to bring ourselves low. It isn't enough to pray and seek God's face. But the Bible says that we must turn from our wicked ways. This means we're to change our sinful course of life, which is what is displeasing God and angering God and bringing about the judgment in the first place. Now, if... Let me, let me, let me just rant for a second. People out there trying to say this outbreak, this and that. You understand God is in complete control. Well, it happened because of this and it happened. It happened because God is on the throne and He's exercising His will upon the earth. Now, if we do these things, then God says He will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins and will heal our land. The problem today is we want God to hear us without humbling ourselves. We want God to forgive us without prayer. We want God to heal our land without turning from our wickedness. We issue proclamations of prayer and turn it back to abortion. God even gave the warning in the latter verses of this chapter where He makes it clear if they were to forsake His Word, serve other gods, worship them, then judgment would fall. The question would then be asked in verse 21, Why hath the Lord done this unto our land and unto this house? And the answer is given in verse 22. Because they they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, 
and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. Why should we expect any different today? Amen. The message is simple. We as God's people need to humble ourselves and pray. We need to seek God's face. We need to turn from our wicked ways if we expect God to bring an end to this pestilence. We believe nonsense like, well, if we wash our hands and we isolate and we act a fool, it'll disappear. That's not what the Bible says. I can't control what's going to happen. But as for this body of believers, I hope we'll continue to do what God's Word says. And I'm calling on us to pray. Will you cry out for God's mercy following the pattern of verse 14? Listen to me now. This is very important because it's affecting churches around the world. The work of God is being hindered right now. We're losing effectiveness. We're losing momentum. We're acting like we're not God's people. More tonight. People are dying and going to a devil's hell. And more than ever, the church needs to be vocal, not silenced. People are being made to fear being around anyone. Is God your God? Does He know the outcome of your life? I'll mention this tonight. I'm not saying you open up your mouth to somebody infected and say, will you cough in my mouth? But I got news for you all this morning. We're all terminal. We're all dying. God's work's being hindered by the God of this world. How sad. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to ask God to allow things to get back to the place where we can once again be effective. More than ever, we need to remember this year's theme. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If you would have told me back there when God laid that upon my heart that that's what we would be using it to apply to today, I would have thought you're crazy. We are the blood-bought bride of Christ. I'm going to pump the brakes. I'll save it for later. Let's pray.